Good morning, everyone. Are we all keeping well? Good. Very good. Great stuff. If you've got your Bibles, turn, uh, turn with me, please, to Ephesians chapter 5. That's where we'll be uh, spending a bit of time this morning. As Santino said, my name's Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at, uh, at the church, and it's my privilege to lead the team. Um, I've got two main aims this morning. Well, two, two main aims and then some sub-aims under that. But um, uh, the, 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 first, the first one really is I just want to teach very briefly on being a thankful people. Teach on being a thankful people. Then I want to honour some people here today who have, for some of them, they have served amazingly for probably over ten years in the, in the same area of ministry and so I want to spend a bit of time um, honouring them. We're then going to look um, and look to recognise or appoint, that's a different phrase for it, um, some pastoral deacons and I'll explain a little bit more about why we're doing that and how that's going to um, work and we're going to do that in the second half um, of the preach. And then at the end of that, as Santino said, we're all having a meal um, together at the end so you're all welcome to stay. Um, It may take a little bit of time just to roll the tables out and rearrange the chairs, but we'd love as many of you as possible to stay as we uh, uh, say goodbye to Matt and Helen and Samuel and Emily and we pray for them that as they go to uh, take over leading the church in Putney that God will richly bless them and be with them and uh, really do them, really do them good. So, being thankful... I've entitled this morning's preach, Be Thankful, an antidote to dot, dot, dot. And you'll be able to sort of fill the gap in as we go along. Let me ask you a question to kick off by. And what I'd like you to do is, if you're sat near someone that you know quite well, I'd like you to ask them this question. And the question I want you to ask is, am I generally a thankful person? So when circumstances rush in on my life, whether good or bad, do they normally cause me to give thanks or do they normally cause me to moan and groan? I'll give you just a couple of seconds to ask that question. Please don't raise your voices and argue with each other if you don't like the answer. You see, as I've been um, preparing this word, what I've come to realise is that I don't take every opportunity that I get to be thankful. And that often when circumstances rush in, whether good or sometimes bad, I'll often see the Well, put it this way, I don't see the silver lining in the clouds that come across my life necessarily. And often my first response can be to worry or be anxious or to see all the things that I'd like to happen but I realise aren't going to happen. I mean, I guess some of you may describe me as a man who is his glass is half empty rather than half full. But 
I want us to spend just a few moments looking at what the Bible says about thankfulness. So let's have a look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. It says this, and uh, Jan's going to do really well keeping up with me today because I've completely changed the order my notes are in. And I only just remembered to tell her two minutes before I came up. So she's going to be flicking around with the slides, but it'll, it'll all work out beautifully, I'm sure. Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. I'll just pray briefly and then we'll dive in and have a look at this uh, passage. Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness to us. Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for all the little blessings, all the little things that you've done in my life that are good. Lord, I want to thank you for the great, enormous good things that you've done in my life, like like being saved, that I know you, that that my name is written in your book of life. I want to thank you for those things. I want to thank you, Lord God, for who you are, that you are faithful and just, Lord, you promise that as we pursue you, that as we trust you, you will work all things together for the good of those that love you. Lord, we we worship you, Lord God. We're aware that worship starts in thanksgiving. And we just say that we love you, we worship you. I pray, would you anoint and help me to communicate effectively today. I pray this word word would be useful to us. Bless this time, I pray. Amen. So the verse that stood out to me is verse 20, where it says, Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's easy, isn't it, to... Be grateful and thankful when things are going well. But let me ask you a question. Should you only give thanks to God when things are going well? Put your hand up if you're a bit uncommitted either way at this point. No. Should we only give thanks to God when things are going well? No. We always give thanks. Well done, Matt. Well done. Very good. It says in verse 20, there's this funny word here at the start of verse 20 of Ephesians chapter 5. What's the first word there? Always. Always. Does anyone know what always means? Does it mean some of the time? It it means always, does it, Sam? Thank you for that deep insight that you gave me there. That's very helpful. And in in (laughs) giving thanks to God the Father for? For everything. So, So is there anything not included in everything? Oh, some of you weren't convinced on that. I could tell. It says also, if we, we won't turn to it, but in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6, it says this. It says, Do not be anxious about anything. Well, that's a tough one, isn't it? He says, Don't be anxious 
about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And in verse 20 of Ephesians 5 and Philippians 4 verse 6, we see these words, always and everything, in verse 20, and in uh, Philippians 4 verse 6 we see um, we're not to be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You see, sometimes, for me, you see, when, when I'm concerned about something, I go and pray about it. Do any of you do that? The problem is I sometimes find is that I mix my prayers with worry. And I finish, I've maybe been praying about something for about half an hour, saying, God, please, please bless me in this area. Oh, I wonder what happens if this, this happens. And uh, Oh dear, oh, and that could get worse as well. And I, I hadn't thought about that. And I find that my prayers aren't mixed with thanksgiving. They're mixed with worry. And I can find sometimes, and I'm sorry, you know, just confess, all, I'm going to put all my dirty washing out here today. I can sometimes find that I, my soul is in a worse state at the end of praying than it was when I started because I mix, mixed it with anxiety. I dwelt on anxiety. I, I, it wasn't coming with faith. And Paul's very practical here in writing the letter to the Philippians. He says, look, when you come with anxiety, do you know what you need to mix your prayers with? You need to mix them with thanksgiving to God. Shall I tell you why? Because you can't be anxious and thankful at the same time, or I can't. When I'm thanking God and praising him for his goodness and his grace in my life, I find that anxiety has no place to hide inside of me. But I find when I don't fill my life with thanksgiving and praise and worship to God, I find that often even as a Christian for 20 years, anxiety and worry can be just there with my prayers. And so Paul is very, very practical here. And he's very practical in Ephesians chapter 5 as well. Christians. And actually, just to, to go, sorry, I'm, I'm jumping a little bit, but it says in verse 15, the, the first verse we read, it says, be very careful then how you live not as unwise, but as wise. Paul is commending, he's urging the church at Ephesus, be very careful how you live, be wise in how you live, don't just go with the flow. Don't just go with what naturally bubbles up in your life, you need to be careful in how you live your life. So let me um, encourage you church, be careful how you live your life, make sure that your life is mixed with thanksgiving. Make sure that you are very, very thankful. Because if there is any group of people on the face of the earth who should be thankful this morning, do you know who it should be? It's you, it's me. Because of God's great grace and mercy that he has lavished upon us. You see, if we actually do believe the truth contained within this book... and we let it shape our hearts, there is only one natural outcome, it's that you worship. It's that, that you thank God. 
that actually a bit like um, Paul says, I think it's in Philippians 4, he says, um, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. And how can he say it? Why? Because as the wonderful truth contained within this book of what God has done in our lives, as that becomes more and more real in our lives, as we dwell on it, the only outcome is that we thank God. Now we have to be careful how we live. We need to be wise people. You are generally a very wise bunch. But I know some of you are prone to a lack of wisdom like me. That I'm more, more often I've found, and just being honest, I'm often more um, predisposed to mix my prayers with worry than thankfulness. But let me say no. Be, be thankful. You are loved by God. You've been picked out and chosen as a gift. You are secure in his favour. You are kept for eternity. When you fail, when I fail, Jesus Christ picks up the tab. He pays the bill. He stands up in our defence. There isn't anything that you can do that can separate you from God's love. You've got someone seated in heaven who loves you and took your punishment. God loves you and he will never let you go. That's why we're thankful. And as we let these truths go around in the sort of cement mixer of our heart, they go more and more from just something that we sort of know up here to something that shapes here. That it transforms you. People who don't know Jesus should meet you and say, oh, you're a grateful people. You're, there's, there's something about you and I know often that is the case. Why? Because God has done so much for us. And if you read the Psalms, if you read other bits of the Bible, you find that, that great men and women of faith are, are very thankful people. If you read any of the Psalms of David, that's right, it's a book of the Bible right in the middle, you'll find that sometimes he's, he's obviously clearly struggling with life. Things are not going well for him and yet they always finish in praise. They always, if they don't start there, they always finish with thanksgiving to God for his amazing grace and goodness and love and compassion. 
And that's a good model for us to finish. That's a good, uh, uh, it's, it's a quality, it's a, uh, a character trait, it's a fruit of the Spirit that should be growing and being nurtured in our lives. Hey, I'm just thankful to God that He loves me. And actually, I'm making it up now, but actually lots of things in life aren't going right at the moment. But God loves me. And the Bible says that these troubles that I'm facing, they're, they're just passing a momentary. Take, see, see a long picture, see something right out there. Do you know God has promised good and blessing and prospering that he will never let you go? Don't, don't forget the long-term picture. You, you may be struggling at the moment. The moment it might be a real hard slog, like I'm going through treacle. It feels like I've been doing it all jolly year. But, but let me encourage you, Christian, don't forget, you've got hope within here, you've got faith within here, you've got eternal life in here. God will never let you go. Your hope is secure forever if you love him. This is the wonderful good news about the gospel. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can snatch you out of Jesus' hands. Nothing can stop you going to glory if you truly know him. That's, that's the case. That's what we've got. And so this is, this is what it is. This is what shapes my thankfulness. And I'm sure all of you, some of you, life just might be absolutely wonderful. But for others of you, you might have faced a really big difficulty uh, disappointment in your life just in the last few weeks. Set your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Keep your eyes focused on him. Meditate, dwell on all the good things that God has done for you. Don't let them come away from your gaze. Keep focusing on his grace and his mercy and his love and compassion. And you know it won't be necessarily immediate, but you know what will happen over time? You'll start thanking him for it. We live in a culture which is sceptical, that is generally downbeat, that celebrates when things go wrong. We need to be counter-cultural church. That's not how we're to be. We're meant to be good at celebrating. We're meant to be good at thanking people and thanking God for his outstanding grace and mercy. We've, we've got to change. We need to. If you're shaped more by scepticism than you are by the grace of God. You need to repent. You need to change. I need to repent and change. We need to count out the blessings of God and all the good things that he has done for us. John Piper says this, gratitude or being thankful is a beautiful thing. There is no Christianity without it it is at the heart of worship. It should fill the heart of every believer. Let me read it again. It's John Piper. Gratitude is a beautiful thing. There is no Christianity without it. It is at the heart of worship. It should fill the heart of every believer. In Philippians 4, I, I read these verses out already. I'll just read them again because I want to read the second half. It says, do not be anxious about anything. And it is tough. It's not, we don't get it right all the time. 
as I've confessed to you, you know, I get anxious. Says, Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me say it again. I know I'm labouring it and you, think, you, know, you might be thinking, I've got it, I've got it, I need to be thankful. But let me labour it a little bit longer. Let thanksgiving be mixed with your prayers and your petitions. Why? What is the outcome? Is anxiety the outcome of that form of lifestyle? What's the outcome? The peace of God. You won't understand it, it will not make any sense, but it's a promise in the Bible which transcends understanding, it will transcend the circumstances that you find yourself in, it will guard your heart, so my heart isn't down there, my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Being thankful creates a healthy life. If you want to be healthy, be thankful. If you want to be sick, then grumble and moan. Because it destroys the heart, it destroys faith and it destroys the soul. In Romans 1 verse 21 it says this, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. In Romans 1 the writer is describing the whole of mankind and their failure to honour and glorify God. They rejected God, turned their backs on him with ever increasing wickedness. The first step away from God is, not, is just not to thank him. That's the first step away is you're just not thankful to him for the great mercy and lavish love that he has displayed in our lives. Be quick to give thanks. Be quick to honour and glorify him. This morning I want us to put thanksgiving into practice. You up for a bit of a practical demonstration? Simon is and San. Anyone else going to join them in a bit of practical thanksgiving? Good. Very good. And I've got a group of people that I want us to thank God for and thank them for all their hard work. Because, and it shouldn't be too difficult for us because most of us will have come across them at some point in our uh, life here in the church. And they are outstanding men and women. Over the last 35 years, for about a third of that time, they have overseen and led the small groups that have been the glue that have kept the church together. They have been, I, 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 you can tell I'm not very creative, I'll just keep using the word outstanding. They were outstanding, they were really good, they were outstanding. I want to thank them for, and some of them have served for over 10 years in this role. Let me describe some of the things that they've done. They have led, they have pastored, they have prayed, they have worried, they've got frustrated, they have laughed, 
and they have cried with you. Some of the things they've done. They've created community. They've celebrated weddings, birthdays and births. They've organised meals. They've babysat. They've provided lifts and they've rushed out in emergencies. Some of these people have given well over a thousand hours, probably multiple thousands of hours, in serving you in this way. They have given themselves to you. If you have served as an overseer or as a small group leader in the in the last 10 to 13 years, could I ask you to stand up, please? You guys are heroes. Real heroes. Servants, leaders. I know there's people here who would be your children spiritually or grandchildren maybe as well. Can we say thank you to them for all their amazing work over many, many years? Can we give them a round of applause? Because they are outstanding. Now stay standing. Anyone sitting down? I caught, I caught someone sit down. No, no. I, I do want to say thank you on behalf of the church because you, you, have, you have given so much. And I know that um, the way we're doing church has changed, which means roles have changed. But I want to thank you for how faithfully and well you have served. You are such an example to us and we are so grateful for all you've done. A lot of which we don't know about. God knows about it, but we don't. I want to say thank you. Just while you're standing, I want to pray for, for, for these excellent men and women. If you're around them and you're part of King's Church, feel free to put, put your hand on them if you're close. We're praying for a blessing and an impartation of God's grace and mercy. Um, so let's just pray. Lord, I thank you for everyone here. I thank you for those who aren't here as well, who have served so faithfully over many years. I pray for such a rich blessing of grace and mercy to be upon them. I ask for your favour to rest upon them. I thank you, Lord, for some, they already know what fresh adventures you're calling them to in community groups and uh, pastoral deacons and all sorts of different things. But I know for some, they're still waiting on you. They're still seeking you. I ask for the richness of your grace and blessing. I pray that you would reveal your will to them. Lord, would you prosper them? Would you bless them? Lord, I pray. We are jealous to see the very best for these men and women who have given so much to us and for us. Oh Lord, we're so grateful to you for them. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Um, You've served so very, very well. Let me encourage you, church, in the whole area of gratitude 
to be proactive. Let me encourage you. This is a little phrase I heard when I was listening to a preach on on this subject um, where he said, he encouraged us to initiate with gratitude. Let me encourage you, if you take anything away um, from this morning's talk, let me encourage you to initiate conversations with gratitude, with thankfulness. So when you're thinking about this morning, let me encourage you to start with thanksgiving, with gratitude. So as you start a conversation with someone, um, rather than saying, Cor, didn't he go on? (laughs) Which I know none of you would say. But, but why, don't, why don't you start by saying it was so good to encounter God in the worship. I'm so thankful to God. Or something that may make you cringe. You could even go up to someone you know well and just say, I'm just so grateful to God for you. You're such a blessing. And I know, I know as you're thinking, you're processing it now thinking, that feels odd. And it... it, it it seems odd to me as well. But I know it will really encourage the person you say it to. Unless you're laughing at the time and they doubt your sincerity in it. <laughs> but assuming you, can, assuming you are sincere, I know it will bless the person you say it to. It will strengthen them. It will be such a good start to their week as you do that. Why don't you initiate with gratitude? in your workplaces, at school or college, just in home life. Initiate. Start with thanksgiving coming out of your heart, not a moan or a complaint. Verse 20 says, Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask you, would you please, um, just by, I pray just Holy Spirit, would you rest upon us? Lord, we, we do say we are so very grateful to you for everything you give to us and for all you've done for us and for who you are. And yet, yet Lord, it, it, it just seems that sometimes we forget and that our nine to five lives just don't reflect your great grace and mercy upon our lives. And I pray, Holy Spirit, would you just keep reminding us of your truth? I pray, Lord, that we would continue to grow and be excellent in thankfulness to you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we practice gratitude, you will bless us and our lives will be changed. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Excellent. And I just want to move on very briefly to the second half um, of what we're about this morning and that is I'm in connection with pastoral deacons. Back on January the 9th I, I, I preached into the whole subject of deacons and I introduced the whole idea to you of us having pastoral deacons who can serve the church and support the eldership. Since then we've been praying and discussing and hearing your thoughts about this whole subject, about this whole area. And this morning we're going to appoint 14 pastoral Durkins, I was going to say. (laughs) We're going to appoint 14 pastoral Durkins, Lisa, deacons who are going to serve, serve you. And I know they're going to serve you really, really well. 
As you know, God is calling us as a church to make fresh faith steps for him, isn't he? Yeah? So in community groups, we're looking to reach into parts of our town and communities around us that largely have been unaffected by us as a church. We are reaching out, we are pushing out into regions that have not yet been touched by the gospel. You know as well if you've been around... If we've been around with us over the last few months, we're also looking to uh, develop the building and we feel God is calling us to make faith steps for him in the whole area of finance and giving that we probably haven't attempted for at least ten years. Why? So that this building can be increasingly used to share God's love with those that don't yet know him. And so we know we've got, we've got big things God's calling us to do over the next few years. He's going to stretch us. He's going to cause us to pray like we've never prayed before. It will cause us to give like we haven't given before. He's going to put us on the edge with him, which at times will be fun and at other times will be scary. And if we're not careful, sometimes we may not be giving thanks, we may be a little bit anxious. But anyway, we know about that now. But it's so important as well that pastorally we're strong. So as we go out and take the gospel to people that don't yet know him, it's so important that here, the church, we are pastorally well served and strong. And so that is why we are looking to appoint these very good men and women. It's important that we have strong pastoral support. And we felt that the best way to serve you in that way was to identify men and women who have strong pastoral gifts and release them to serve you. Now I know they're not doing this lightly. They've thought about it, they've prayed about it. I think we've met three times over the last uh, month or so as we've been discussing it and praying about it and attempting to work out how is this going to work because we've not been this way before. The ingredients we've been looking for, firstly, is character, that they are men and women of high character, full of the Holy Spirit. I'm just lining them up now, so as you stay standing, you think, wow, you're good. Okay? So, full of the Holy Spirit, that they are wise, that they have a good standing here in the church, they are men and women worthy of respect, that they are sincere in how they speak, that they're not addicted to alcohol, or any other substance. They don't use alcohol as a means of uh, relief or keeping life going. They're not men and women who chase money or who are greedy. They're men and women who are biblically convinced and grounded and set a good example in life. For women there was a few additional um, qualifications. The Bible says they're not to be gossips. They're not to be moody. They're to be trustworthy. And that's not because it's only women that can suffer in that that area, but it's been identified for that. And for men, there'd be one women... I I couldn't say it last time. (laughs) There'd be one woman... Mans. (laughs) Men.
What does that mean in our context? It means that they are not given to looking at pornography, they're not consumed with lust, that they don't look at um, some woman in the office and wish that they had her, that their eyes and their eyes are only for their wives. They'd be men and women of calibre and the men are to be good husbands and good dads where relevant, where applicable. And if their character is deficient, then they cannot serve in this way. And if there were a moral failing in them, then we would have to remove them from being pastoral deacons. And the same would apply for myself as an elder, or Matt as an elder, until the end of today anyway here. How will they serve kings? We're looking to appoint pastoral deacons to assist the elders in serving the church. They'll undertake a number of different tasks, which I'll list in a minute, um, as we look to support the discipleship and pastoring process that is taking place within the community group setting. They'll also respond to some emergencies. They'll also undertake some functions that have traditionally been done by elders in the church or by salaried pastoral staff. And what we've said to them, and we've said to you already, is that after about 12 to 18 months, we're going to review to see if it works. And we we may stop it or we may continue it because pastoral deacons, being a pastoral deacon, is linked to role. It's not a position for life. What will they do? Will they work alongside the community groups, um, different teams that we've got within the church and the elders? They will do um, exploring membership interviews. They will offer pastoral advice. They will undertake pastoral visits and support. They will, take, um, they will do some discipleship, although we believe that we're all called to go and make disciples. So they will undertake a bit of uh, discipleship, um, be involved in marriage prep, um, emergency response, administering the relief fund, and uh, maybe involved in funerals or pastoral support linked around bereavement and that sort of thing. Please remember, church, and this is a very important thing, that normal community life that you find within a church setting will provide 95% of the pastoral support that you need. Most is just found in, 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 in good small group life, in good community group life. Pastoral deacons are available to provide additional help where necessary. They are not a replacement for the life and strength you find when you actively participate in community groups. And please do not be surprised, if you go to see a pastoral deacon, please don't be surprised if one of the first questions they ask you is what community group are you in? Because they look to work alongside community groups, they're not looking to replace them. And so it's very important that you engage in community group life. So we've looked briefly at character, we've looked briefly at role or gifting. Um, The the last thing I just want to say is availability. We've also been, as we've been looking at this whole area, we wanted to make sure that there were men and women who had the availability to serve in this capacity. Digger and Sheila, could I come and ask you just to stand on the steps? Would that be all right? Digger and Sheila are going to be serving you as pastoral deacons. They are an excellent couple in the church who have already served very well in this area 
and I know have offered a great deal of support to many of you. Anna, could you come as well, please? Richard would be joining him, um, but he's not very well at the moment. So Richard and Anna will also be serving in this role of pastoral deacons. Richard and Anna head up the whole Freedom in Christ discipleship course and again they have a great deal of experience in this area. Paul and Hazel, could you come and join us please? Paul and Hazel will be also serving um, in this area. They've got a vast amount of experience um, in church life but also out of church life and I'm delighted that they are joining and are a part of this pastoral deacon team. Santino, could you come and join us please? Santino um, will be serving as a pastoral deacon. He'll also be heading the team up um, on my behalf. You'll notice that I've not invited Emma up. That's not because we don't want Emma to serve as a pastoral deacon, because she would serve excellently in that way, but she's also already very, very busy looking after someone and the children. And Emma's going to continue to serve outstandingly well um, Santino in this role. Alan Louise. Alan and Louise are also joining the pastoral deacon team. We've brought them in because they're dropping the average age by about all. <laughs> yeah, as Digger said, about six weeks. They're an excellent, excellent couple and are going to be a great blessing to the church. This is a great opportunity for them to grow in God and I know they are going to serve you excellently as a church. Adrian and Liz, can I invite um, you to come up? Adrian and Liz have, again, vast pastoral experience as well as serving the church over the last few years, overseeing many small groups. I am delighted that they are part of the team. Veronica, could I ask you to come and join us, please? Veronica is an amazing woman of faith. We invited um, both Reg and Veronica to be pastoral deacons in the church and as we were seeking God and discussing it and we saw everything that Reg was already doing in discipleship and serving new Christians as well as what he does with the uh, big events we put on, we came to the conclusion he didn't have any availability to add any additional uh, tasks to what he's already doing. So Veronica is going to serve us in that way and Reggie is going to continue to serve us amazingly in the things that he is already doing. And Stephen Laurie Young, where are you? Stephen Laurie as well have been around for quite a while. Um, They've got vast experience having travelled around the nations and served in many different small group capacities. They're presently leading um, uh, one of our community groups that is really prospering and flourishing. I want to commend these men and women to you as those that are going to serve you excellently over the coming years. I am so grateful that they are willing to serve in this way. It isn't something that they've undertaken lightly and I know it's going to probably cause them at times to cry. At times it's going to, they're going to rejoice. They're going to celebrate. They're going to have probably sleepless nights and, I don't know, joyful days as they serve you in this way. Firstly, could we just thank God for them and thank them for standing and being willing to fulfil this role for us. Would that be all right? 
Matt, will you come and join me? It says in Acts chapter 6 that when the church presented the deacons uh, to the elders of the church, they prayed for them and laid hands on them that they would receive a fresh impartation of the Holy Spirit and fresh gifting and anointing. And I thought, well, you know, as Matt is here, we must get him working. Do you know what I mean? We can't, we can't have his last Sunday with us not doing that. And I, I was so keen that as we say goodbye to Matt and Helen, that we can do this at the same time because it's, it's sort of all linked together. And so, church, will you stand with us? And we're just going to pray a little bit together. We're going to pray for God's blessing and grace to be upon these mighty men and women. Um, yeah. So let's raise our voices. Let's just pray together and we'll see where we go from there. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. Lord, I thank you for your favour and grace. I thank you for these men and women who are serving so well. I pray, Lord God, that you will fill them with your Holy Spirit. Fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit. I pray for an anointing and an impartation to be upon them as they serve in this capacity. I pray that in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for all the things Lord God, and all of their hard work.
Lord, we thank you for your goodness and faithfulness to us. Lord, I pray for a fresh anointing and filling of your Holy Spirit on every single one of these dear people. Lord, I thank you for your, their willingness to serve in this area. I know that for some of them they feel just a little bit intimidated really about the task ahead, but I pray, Lord, for a right confidence in you. I thank you, Lord God, that they have a significant pastoral gift already. Lord, we recognise that and we pray for your fresh anointing and blessing and encouragement this morning. Fill them and bless them with your Holy Spirit, Lord, we pray. And I ask you as a church, would we be really well served by them, I ask. I pray, Lord, that we would be pastored maybe better than we've been before on the back of these men and women who are serving you in this way. Fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit. Bless them, we pray. We ask that in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Father, we're so grateful for the church. We're grateful that, uh, as we sang that song earlier, Lord, that Father me, faithful Father, Father me. No one else could ever be the perfect Father God to me. And Lord, none of us here in this room, Lord, have got it right or done it all right. But thank you, Jesus, you've done it all right. Lord, you do all things well. Lord, we're a, we're a group of people, that, Lord, that are, uh, are broken vessels being brought together and through these, this broken community that have been brought together, thank you that your glory will shine through humble, broken people. Lord, others can see hope for themselves. And we thank you so much, Lord, for this church, the family of God. We thank you so much for the years of faithfulness. I thank you for Paul, his, his, his willingness to, to step out in faith and to, and to really take a risk with, with, with changing things. And we thank you that you honour faith, that you love faith. You said about the, the centurion, I've not seen such faith in the whole of Israel. And we thank you, Lord, that you love to see, uh, see it when we, we step out believing you. And today, Lord, these guys are stepping out believing you. Lord, stepping out, Lord, knowing their own weaknesses knowing Lord, their own fragility, Lord, knowing their own, um, Lord, their, their own uh, minds and uh, how they've struggled over the years, but knowing, Lord, that they are prepared to put themselves in your hands and to serve you and to serve your people. And I pray, Father, today for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. Father, I pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. Father, I pray for each of them to know your power, Father, to know your power, Father, oh Lord, that they would know a new sense of authority, a new sense, a new standing, a new sense that they've been um, set apart for this work in Jesus' name. We thank you, you've chosen them, Lord. As we've prayed, as we've sought you, these, these men and women have stood out as, yeah, we believe God's hand is upon them. Father, and I pray you would go now in the strength that God has given you. God has gifted you, each of you. God has, God has gifted you. Know that, don't you guys? You know God has gifted you. Throw aside all fear. Throw aside all, I, 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 you know, maybe those niggling doubts that I'm, I'm not up for this. Well, you're not. But God has gifted you. God has gifted you. And I pray for them, Lord, that you would use them. I pray that this church would flourish. Lord, really, what we really want, Lord, we, we, we love all the people here, but we really want to see the broken 
that are outside of this community being healed. Father, it does break our hearts, Lord, to know so many families, young people, Lord, who, who, who have no, no reason, Lord. Apart from you, there is no reason, Lord. And we, are, we, 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 we join, Lord, together today and say, Lord, we want these pastoral deacons to be part of the solution to see this church strong and reaching the lost, Lord. Oh, keep us ever from being centred on ourselves, Lord. We live for you and your mission. So, Lord, I pray today, Lord God, that you would use, uh, we commit again ourselves to you as a church and pray you would use us for your mission to see, Lord, disciples made in this church, outside this church, and to see this town and this community transformed by the power of the gospel. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Why don't we just uh, thank them one more time, and not that they've started yet, but we thank them anyway. Thank you very much. I know it's been a bit of a whirlwind of a meeting and uh, thank you for bearing with us on the journey. Um, I'm now going to ask you, we're going to close up the meeting now, or well, we're going to close up first half, but we've got the main course coming, as it were, and what, what I'd ask is, when, when the meeting closes, if you can grab all your belongings and head out and get a cup of coffee out at the, um, in the second hall, but if we could have 12 volunteers, we need chairs stacked in fives and uh, myself, Mike and Tracy will then direct you as to what we need. So we need about 12 willing, fit and able volunteers who can roll tables, put things back out and we hope that we'll be back in here eating in about 45 minutes to an hour. So hang around, enjoy some tea and coffee but please take everything with you and uh, start your conversations out in the main hall.